everyone, my name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome back to another episode. Really appreciate you sharing your time with us and connecting with us on this episode. I think you're going to love our guest today. Uh, it's Pastor Josh Gagnon, and he's written a book that I'm in love with. Has anyone else been just reading a lot more this year than ever before? I go to the library, no joke. Well, I was going to say once a week, but it probably is more like twice a week. I'm constantly reading. I read before bed. I read wherever I can. And it's funny how we change in life because when I was in high school, I didn't like to read at all. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to say I was the Cliff Notes person that would love to read the Cliff Notes version of everything. But boy, have I changed. I'm like, how can I dig in deeper to this subject and learn more? And what book can I read next? I have I have a pile of books on my desk and my nightstand right now, uh, but I love it. I love learning, and I picked up Pastor Josh's book. I started reading it, and it was one of those where an hour and a half later, my family's like, are you coming downstairs, Mom? <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, I'll put it down, but it was so good. So we're talking about dreams today. That's what the book um, is all about. It's called It's Not Over, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again. Um, This is real life for me. I talk about it a little bit in the podcast more, uh, but I've really had to pivot a few times in life where I've taken the wrong road, things didn't go out um, how I thought they would. Um, You know, going back maybe even 25 years ago it would be now I was um more like 20 years ago uh 20 25 years ago around there (laughs) um I was a young married um divorced and a single mom and working in the business world and really if you had told me back then that I'd be blessed with doing what I do now with um sharing my mornings with uh, so many people on 95.5 The Fish, working for the Browns, working in TV, I would have laughed you across the room. Literally, I would have. Um, But, you know, I I just think back that I just, when I was younger, I didn't have as much fear as I do now. And I think that's why I didn't take no for an answer. I was like, okay, I'm a single mom, so what? We're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. And from this to that, things got better. Things changed. God was with me, holding my hand the whole time. And I don't know about you, but as we get older, the fearfulness sometimes grows in me. And I was just telling Len, my co-host the other day, he's like, if the things that happened to me back then would happen now, I wouldn't have handled them the same. I think I handled them better when I was 20 years old (laughs) than I would now. And, you know, just because we have roadblocks in our lives and things don't go as planned, 
doesn't mean we still can't have our dreams and still go for them, whether they're big or small. And we're going to talk about that in the podcast too, because when, when I say dream big, that doesn't mean you have to be planning to be the next CEO of the company you're working for or play in the major leagues someday. Your dream is your dream. And Pastor Josh gets into that a little bit. Um, you know, your dream could be getting married. Your dream could be building a family. Whatever it may be, it's not over. Don't give up. So I'm very excited. Let's get into it. Pastor Gagnon, he's the founding and lead pastor of Next Level Church. This is um, an, a wonderful church, a multi-church with locations throughout the East Coast. He and his wife, Jennifer, actually started the church back in 2008, founding a, founding a megachurch in New England, which is actually widely known as the least church region in the world. Um, they pr- It proved to be challenging, but the dream... Um, they had has never swayed and Josh and Jennifer have remained faithful to God's calling and today Next Level Church exists as one church in many locations all the way from Florida to New England with plans to launch more. Um, you can connect with Josh. It's joshuagagnon.com. Again, the book is It's Not Over, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Dream Again. I'm going to put all of the details in the notes of the podcast though. And so you can find that, click on my website, you'll be able to find the information there as well. So enjoy it, dream big, dream small, whatever your dreams may be. I hope you enjoy this this conversation. I want to just thank you uh, for talking today. I'm glad we finally got this nailed down. I'm loving the book. And like I said, I was just writing down some of the things that really stuck out to me. But uh, first of all, the book is called It's Not Over, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again. I think that's something we all have gone through. And I love how you connect that to stories in the Bible and our faith. Um, why do you think so many people have a hard time living with hope and chasing their dreams, maybe especially even in now in today's climate? Yeah, man, I, I, I've yet to meet anyone that hasn't faced the disappointment, the heartbreak, the frustration of waiting for a dream, for our hopes, for that, for that thing you're waiting for to come alive. I've yet to meet anybody who hasn't been in a season of life like that. And so for me, when it came to the book, It's Not Over, it really is just a reflection of, of my life and how how I have to continue to force myself. It's almost like a spiritual discipline. It's like, you know, you run or lift weights to get into shape. We have to get our soul in shape. And for me, one of the, one of the principles that I have to live by is just faithfulness over fruitfulness. And so I'm always focused. I'm type A, so I'm always focused on fruit, 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 fruit. Like what's working? What's growing? Where are we going? How's it getting bigger? How's it getting better? How are we going further? And that would way down my soul because the truth is, is there's just seasons that that's not happening. Yeah. And, it, and it's in those seasons where I would get so disappointed and so discouraged. And um, the book actually, um, how, how, the, how the title came about, It's Not Over. I was, I was visiting with um, a friend of mine who made a horrible decision and um, ended up in prison. And he was actually a pastor for 20 years and just made a horrendous decision. And while everybody swam downstream away from him, I swam upstream in love because mm-hmm. and I'm just convinced that the church sometimes 
I mean, we shoot our, we shoot our own, and, and so often we claim the name of Jesus and his love, yet we don't live it out when it comes to those that need it most. And so I swam upstream, and I was the first person to ever visit him in prison. And I remember waiting for him, and uh, he came out. We talked for a while. And I stood up, I gave him a hug for the three-second maximum. I looked him in the eyes, and I said, it's not over. And he looked at me, he's like, I don't, I don't believe that. And I looked at his eyes, and it was, it was one of those moments that sticks with you forever. When I looked in his eyes, I truly believed the words that he was like, no, I don't believe it's not over. And when I got in the car, I was just driving home, and the Spirit of God was just speaking to me. As I'm driving home, I'm looking at people running, mowing their lawns, pumping gas, just doing life. And I just, I, I felt so heavy with the reality that, that my friends living in the walls of a prison, yet far too many of us are just living life in the prison of believing that our best days are behind us, that, that that marriage we hoped for truly will never become a reality, that breaking that addiction would never become a reality. And what happens, Sarah, is we start living our life, really, the truth is we start living our life as if we're determined by, as if, as if we have to live underneath the shadows of yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. So now every single day is just a reflection of the hurt, a reflection of the nose, a reflection of those unanswered prayers, a reflection. And I looked at my own life and I start realizing, whoa, Josh, man, you used to pray for that with more passion. You used to believe for that in bigger ways. Like there were, you've scaled your dreams back, Josh. You've scaled your hopes back because your past has talked you out of believing it can still happen. I think one of the, one of the dangers in life is experience. And sometimes experience talks us out of faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I've experienced enough to know some of the things I'm hoping for are not probable. The problem with that is, is faith gets beat up and we start living as if they're not probable. And the reality is you and I both know, if you live as if something's not probable, it's probably not going to happen. And so that's kind of the heartbeat behind like why I think so many people are struggling with disappointment or, or, or believing it's over is because they're living underneath the shadows of yesterday. They've talked yeah. themselves into tomorrow not being any different. Yeah. I think that's why your message resonates with me so much because if I go back 25 years, I was a single mom, um, had n- nothing. I-, I was working in the business world and I'd gone through a really bad, painful divorce. And fast forward, people see now that, you know, I work in the media and I have this radio job, but my goodness, 25 years ago, it wasn't quite like this. And I had to really discipline myself to know, hey, just because this is the path I kind of took doesn't mean I can't pivot, doesn't mean we can't change. I work in radio now, but I also worked in the business world for 15 years. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, did other things on the side. So I have kind of a unique story like that. When I was reading your book and I, I love the Colonel Sanders story. Yeah. Because, it, you know, he had so many different jobs leading up to his final success, right? And sometimes we get like honed in on, well, I went to school for this, so I have to do this. Like, what do you mean? Well, no, you could change. You can pivot. You can do something else. And, you know, how old was Colonel Sanders when he finally hit it big? He was in the bell lap for sure. Yeah, he was older. <laughs> So I loved that story, um, you know, going into that. What are you, what do you think are some characteristics of a dream worth chasing? And I want to, I want to preface this too. And I want your thoughts because sometimes I think we get into thinking like dreaming big means all these big, huge things. 
And that, to me, it's not always the case. Like there was even a song um, on Christian radio uh, like last year, a couple of years ago called Dream Small by Josh Wilson. And I don't know if you've heard that, but if you haven't listened to it, mm. it actually, we loved it. We played it. But talking to Josh, it wasn't one of his bigger hits because people got hung up on the dream small. But if you listen to the lyrics, it was amazing. It was like that preacher down the street who prays with my mom. The mom helping the little girl play piano after school, teaching her lessons, cooking dinner. I mean, it gave me chill bumps every time I read it. I think there's, you know, a difference. Your dreams are your dreams. And if your dream is to stay at home and raise your kids, you run with that dream and you use God to move you, right? So yeah. what do you think? I that now with that preface, what are some characteristics of a dream worth chasing? Yeah, I love that because because when we were publishing this book, the, the publisher um, and I would, would sometimes get into this, this not, I don't want to call it a conflict, they were great to work with, but we'd get into this rub a little bit where their idea of a dream was that big thing, like going off and starting a business or becoming a missionary in Africa. Yeah. And all of that is wonderful. And that is a dream. And I kept pushing back like, no, wait, 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 those are great dreams. But wait a minute, what about the dream in my heart to overcome insecurity somehow? Yes. Like, like, how do I get to the place where I'm not constantly comparing myself to everyone else's highlight reel and feeling horrible about me? Like, like I don't know about, about you, but I'm sure you can relate just in life. There are a lot of dreams I have that, that, that are not on the outside of me, but they're on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so... So I think when it comes to chasing those dreams down, first we have to give ourselves permission to chase down the things that matter the most to us and to listen to the whispers of God. And so there are some people that your dream is, is a restored marriage, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody's talking about going and starting businesses. Well, guess what? If God has put that burning desire in your heart to see your marriage restored, man, that is a dream worthy of chasing. Maybe it's breaking an addiction, Mm-hmm. Maybe an addiction is just screaming and roaring in your life. That's a dream worthy of being chased. Maybe, maybe like me, it's a dream to overcome insecurity or, or maybe to overcome fear. Maybe fear is crippling you. You know, today I was thinking this morning about how, you know, fear, it's interesting. Fear tells us what we value most and it shows us where we trust God least. Yeah. And I was thinking through that in my own life and how I struggle with fear. And my wife just this morning is like, hey, I'm going to bring the dog to get groomed. And it's super busy where we are. And the moment she leaves the house, I hear this whisper. And it's like, oh, oh she's going to be safe. It's busy out. And just this fear comes in. And yeah. so a dream I have is to live with this Godfidence where I truly can trust God to overcome the fears in my life. And so I think for, for me, how do you know when it's from God? I think it, I think it, it lines up with the character of God. It lines up with the character of God. God's never gonna, God's never gonna push our hearts in a direction that go against His character. You know, Nehemiah in Scripture, um, he felt called by God to a big dream, right? That was a, that was on the outside type dream to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and, and his heart was broken. And God opened up doors, and God continued to lead the way in that dream. And so, you know, for anybody listening, they're like, "What dream should I chase down?" Well, don't overcomplicate it. What is it in your heart right now that God's whispering for you to do? What's that one thing that you're hoping it could be losing weight? What is that one thing in your life right now that you just know my life would be better if I went this direction? I love what you said. 
he said, um, you were on a path and that God, um, you pivoted, mm-hmm. you pivoted to a different direction. One of my favorite scriptures is that God will direct our path. That it, the Bible says that God will make our path straight. And then what I love about that is, is, is if we seek God with our whole heart, we don't serve a God who's given us three doors in life. And he says, pick the right one or you're, you're completely screwed. If you don't pick the right one, it's over. We have a God who says, you don't have to live in fear of making the wrong decision. Make the decision you believe is right while seeking my heart. And if it wasn't even the right one, I'm a good God that can make your path straight. And that's what I love about our God. We don't have to fear that we went down the wrong path or that we might go down the wrong path with the right heart. We have to worry about our heart and trust that we have a God who will make our path straight. And so while you're chasing that dream, I say that because so many people are sitting on their hands right now, not doing anything in fear of doing the wrong thing. Seek God with your whole heart, submit to his ways. And here's the beautiful thing. Even if we get a little wrong, he's God. He can straighten our path. Yeah. I love that. I actually, what you just said, I remember highlighting that in the book. I'm a highlighter (laughs) when I read. And because that's something with me, you talk about fear. Fear is a big thing with me. And I feel like if I start something, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to be, yeah, I think I can do this. And as soon as something comes along that like knocks me down or there's a, a wall, I'm like, okay, God must not want me to do this. And I have to be better at, oh my God, that doesn't mean that, you know, I love how you talked about Nehemiah. First of all, I'm really into the old Testament right now. So I'm digging into to all of this. So when you brought up Nehemiah, I dug in even more. And I love how you brought up, all, you know, Moses and several yeah. others in the Bible who it, it wasn't like a straight shot, easy way. So why do I think it's going to be for me? Yeah. Wait, it never is. And it never ceases to amaze me when we read these stories from 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years, however long, that their situations in a different time are basically the same as ours. And it just blows me away. And the Nehemiah, the one that, the thing that stuck out for me in the story was when you highlighted that he, he didn't act suddenly. Yeah. We are so knee-jerk reaction. I'll speak for myself. I know I am. <laughs> when yeah. something happens... I immediately want to go fix it. I immediately want to act on it. Someone posted this and, oh, let's all post, start posting this. It's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. We really need to step back when something is happening, just like Nehemiah did, right? Yeah. And he prayed about it. He didn't yeah. act immediately before he ran and ultimately rebuilt Jerusalem. But, I mean, don't you think we need a little bit more of that? Yeah, I think I think I think Nehemiah gives us this beautiful picture of what it looks like to 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 be prompted by the spirit but not rushed by the spirit. And so I think when we're prompted by the spirit to do something, I think sometimes we get ahead of but right, what God's wanting us to do because we start to walk in our own strength. But but calling a timeout and just saying, okay, this is where God wants to go. And you're so right when it comes to like social media, especially in today's world, right, with the political climate we have and, yeah. and just so many different opinions and everybody's fighting for their their cause and fighting for their so-called dream, right? And it's it's like, okay, to call a timeout just a minute, you know, are, are you standing up for what you're against? Or are you standing for what you're for? Because I think we can have such a passion for what we're for that we forget the way we're acting is, is actually causing us to be against what it is we're actually fighting for. Yeah. And, and you brought up opposition, you brought up uh, resistance. And, and I think that that, that for me is such a, a powerful part of this book, um, resistance. 
you said sometimes you face up against resistance and you're like, Oh man, maybe this isn't, isn't and and, and, and I think, I think I do that a lot too. However, writing this book four years ago, I tell a story in the book. Um, uh, an agent reached out to me and was like, listen, you need to write a book. You're pastor in this big church. And would you, have you ever thought about it? I was like, well, I make content all the time and nobody, you know, people, I speak on it on the weekend and no one remembers it ever again. Right. So I might as well write a book. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, well I guarantee we'll get a book deal the whole nine yards. So he goes off, we put a book proposal together. And I remember I was getting no after no, after no, after no, after no, until finally the last person wrote in, they're like, no, we're never giving you, you know, like you're not getting a book deal. And he wrote to me, he's like, every lead is run dry. Um, we're not going to be able to get a book deal. And I remember feeling like I got punched in the stomach and I was so frustrated at God because I didn't seek out this opportunity. This opportunity found me. And so I was praising God at the beginning of it. Like, all right, God, you opened this door. I didn't even go after it. And I'm like, this has to be God. It has to be God. This is God's timing. And now here I am on the backside of all the no's. I asked him like, why? And he's like, well, you're in New England. It's the least church region of America. And the least amount of Christian books are sold in that region. So they're nervous about that. And I was like, all right. And I got in the shower. I start crying, you know, and I didn't even tell my wife, Jennifer, for two weeks that it happened. Um, she'd ask me like, how's it going? And I would kind of like change the subject. Oh, yeah, I'm just waiting. You know, we'll see what God will do. Cause I was so didn't want to face her. And, I, and she's the best. Like she would have supported me in the course no matter what, but I have this fear of failure and all this junk and I'm crying and yeah. I'm so mad. God. And so, and so here I am in this season and a year later, uh, a guy named Alex Fields, my agent, uh, now reaches out to me. He's like, have you thought about writing a book? And I got the email. And I literally looked at that email, clicked off of it. And for one year, I didn't get back to Alex. For one year, that email sat there. I never would get back to him because I didn't want to step into that opportunity. I didn't want to step into that resistance again. I didn't want the chance of being denied again, to be rejected again. Because that rejection, it just it brought up everything I already thought about me. I already thought I wasn't good enough. I already thought I stunk at writing. I already thought all those things about me. And now all those no's just affirmed it. And I'm not trying to go back to that again, right? So. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not getting back to him. And a year later, I finally get back to Alex because once again, that dream in my heart, that, that, that fire just wouldn't go away. I get back to Alex and long story short, uh, we get six of the largest publishers are like, yeah, we want this book and, and we get a, a book deal. And I, oh, I say all that to say this, this is, this is really what I learned. Sometimes when we're hitting resistance, we see it as a no or we see it as denial, but I've now learned to see it as a potential delay and the delay is not a denial, but the delay is a space and time where God can do more in me than he could do through me so that someday he can do more through me than I could ever imagine. And so when I look now at that delay, right, that delay, I could have easily said, God never wants me to write a book because I've hit a wall. Well, wait a minute, that delay, actually, I'm telling you, like more, I over, I am a different human because of that, I just had a friend reach out to me who many people would know, but we won't say names. And he's like, listen, they didn't even take my book deal. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I went through that whole thing. And he was so encouraged with the thought that, listen, it's in the valley. It's in the resistance. It's in the space of no, where our character is refined, where our character is determined. It's in that valley where we build the endurance and the strength and the character and the wisdom and the godliness and the faithfulness to get to the next peak. We want a peak to peak life, but I really believe heaven's heaven's way of doing it is it's, it's peak to valley. Cause in the valley, I train you for the next peak. Mm. And, 
And so it's, it's in those no's. I just want to encourage people. Sometimes, sometimes God's speaking through the no, um, but, 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 but God always uses the no. He always uses it to either refine where it is we're already going or to potentially change the direction we're heading. But we'll always come out of it better. Yeah. It's hard when you're in the valley. And oh, you just have to always keep telling yourself this. Um, but I love that. It's a delay, not a denial. That's a good way to think about it. Um, can you tell me, um, you know, there's someone listening right now. What advice do you have for them to overcome the discouragement maybe that they've had in the past and that they want to move forward? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I've learned to do is I've, I've learned to, to allow my intimacy in Christ not be deterred by the discouragements that I've faced in the past. Now, I, that sounds so preachy, doesn't it? It sounds like such a pastor thing to say. It's like, oh, good Lord. I hear it come out of my mouth and I want to slap myself. So if you're listening and want to slap me, I did it. Like, I get it. But the truth is, is, is that discouragement our spiritual enemy uses to deter our intimacy from God. And if our intimacy from, in God is deterred, right, if it's, if, it's, if it's hindered, what happens is, is we stop praying big, bold prayers. And, and, and so when it comes to that discouragement, if there's somebody, which there is, facing it, I would challenge them not to see God as the Father not giving you what you want, but to see God as a good Father who has the good th- has good things and the right things for you. I think sometimes we look at, at God and we think God doesn't want what's best for us. But what if what if we truly understood the character of God as a God who does want what's best for us, who does care for us, who is there for us? You know, Garth Brooks, the great theologian, um, wrote a song. And sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. I wonder how I wonder how many of us are going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, yo, thank you so much for not answering those prayers, right? Thank you so much. Because I think I think that in that discouragement, we get into this pit where we feel let me say let me say this. I'm okay with no's as long as I know God is for me. But sometimes when I'm inside of discouragement, I start to feel like God isn't for me. Like I'll go through anything if I know I'm doing it with, through, with God and in, in, in his will and with his strength. I'll do that. But discouragement has a way of talking me out of God being with me. Mm, you're and, so right. And so I think, I think it's getting to, the, getting to that root of recognizing, like I think most people would do that, Sarah. I think most of us would say, God, if I know that you are with me, if I know this is your direction for me, if I know that, that, that you are in this, I'll go through it. I think most of us would say we don't want to, but we would. I think what happens in discouragement is, is, is our spiritual enemy talks us out of God actually being with us in that moment. And I think that that's what we have to be careful with. And that's when pressing into the heart of God and spending time in prayer and, and truly just seeking him, um, I do believe establishes a, a spiritual DNA that helps us fight against that discouragement, almost like a, a vaccine. It helps us yeah. fight against it. Yeah. You, you talk, you're talking a lot about prayer there, which, you know, is so important, but how does someone's dream life impact their prayer life? Yeah, this is, this is probably my favorite part of the entire book. Um, this wasn't even going to be in the book. I was writing the book and, um, went out to dinner with Daniel and Catherine. Um, he was my first hire. They were my first hire ever at Next Level Church. And um, we went out to dinner, and Catherine um, 
had was had given birth 10 years earlier to a son named Josiah. And, and when Catherine was pregnant, they had tried to get pregnant. Uh, they got pregnant. She lost that baby and we cried together and we prayed together. And then she got pregnant again with Josiah. And, um, and when she went in for an ultrasound later on in the pregnancy, they told her that Josiah only had one kidney and the one that he had wasn't working and that there was all sorts of other things that were going on. And of course, you know, we would pray and pray and she was praying and we were believing God for a miracle. And then uh, she went in to give birth and I got a call from Daniel late at, at night um, just saying, hey, listen, how can you get to the hospital? So I get to the hospital as fast as I can. And Daniel says it's worse than they thought. And when I went into the, to the room, they were talking about surgeries and Josiah had around um, 30 to 40 surgeries um, in that first bit of life. And he spent more time in the hospital than he did at home that first year. And and today, Josiah is 10 years old and he struggles with a lot of, um, a lot of medical conditions that I would never get into, but certainly um, doesn't have the easiest of lives as we would see it. And I was talking with Catherine just during writing this book and um, I looked at her, I said, Catherine, just, just talk. And I said, what's been the hardest part of the last 10 years? And we're just having a conversation. She, tears start coming down her cheek. And she looks at me, she says, uh, praying. And I said, praying? I didn't see that coming. She said, yeah. And I'll tell you what she said next really changed my life. She said, um, Pastor, you know, when Josiah was in my belly, I would lay hands on my belly and I would pray and I would pray and I would pray. And I was such a prayer warrior. She goes, I was convinced that God would heal my baby. And she said, I would pray. And then when we went in and we gave birth and he was born with all, all of these things, we would pray and pray. And for the first year, for the first two years, I believed God would heal my baby. She said, then year five and then year seven. She said, now when I pray, I pray there's no passion. It's just empty. It feels so shallow. She's like, I'm like literally not even the person I used to be. And we talked and she cried and, you know, I pretended I wasn't. And uh, we get back into the car and I looked at Jennifer and I said, uh, honey, that's where that's, that's it. Our dream life and our prayer life are tied together. They're not separate. Catherine, call it hope, call it dream, call it something you're praying for. Whatever that thing, whatever you want to, whatever words you want to give it, whatever it is you're hoping for, dreaming for, the longer it's stalled, the harder it is to pray. The harder it is to pray big, bold prayers. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe God honors big, bold prayers. And I believe big, bold prayers honor God. I do believe that. But man, I'll tell you, when you're praying for your son for 10 years, at t- year 10, man, that prayer just doesn't feel the same as it did at year one. And so we talk a lot in the book about just just icebreakers with God. How can we keep our prayer life fresh? How can we continue to pray even when we're not seeing movement? How can we continue to trust God even when things aren't going the way we hope? Because I truly believe that our spiritual enemy wants to talk us out of prayer because of what we haven't yet seen. So there's some people right now, they're praying for their marriage, right? They're like, God, and they were praying with boldness a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. And today they're like, whatever, it's never going to be fixed. And once in a while they throw a prayer to God. I don't think we should get tired in our prayer because I believe God can still do the impossible, even if there's been a delay longer than we had hoped for or against that addiction or against that career, against, against whatever it is. I think we need to be praying these big, bold prayers. And, and at the end of it all, the words that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, 
um, when they're being thrown into a furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, um, um, even if God doesn't save us, we won't bow down and worship another God. And I think that's the, those are the words that keep our prayer life passionate. It's even if you don't do this, God, I'm not going to get tired. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to trust your strength and your will and your purpose in my life. That's so true. We, Len and I, my co-host, we've talked about this several different times about even in, when Paul talks about he's imprisoned and, you know, he, he doesn't say, Lord, get me out of this prison, right? Mm. Mm. He, he asks the Lord to help him where he's at and whatever way that is to use him. I, I don't have the verse right in front of me, but that always sticks with me. And you're right. The longer you're in prison, the longer you're asking for your child to be healed, the harder it is. And then maybe it's one of those things after I hear you say that, and I, I think about Paul and it's like how you're praying and your prayers. Yeah. Cause you're right. Just like, I haven't, I haven't thought about that story in so long, but I, was, I love that story. Shadrach, yeah. Shadrach Benigo. Yeah. But it, you know, even if doesn't, God doesn't save us, we're not going to do that. I love, love, love that thought. That's really good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> You're nice. so good. The stories in this book um, are fantastic. I can't wait to share it on air and let everyone know about it. How can anyone, everyone connect with you? Because I know you, you're virtual, so they can watch you wherever they're at. Uh, I have the honor of pastoring and leading a church called Next Level Church, and I hang out a lot on Instagram. So uh, Joshua Gagnon, anywhere you look with that name, you should be able to find me. I'm just so honored. Thank you for being willing to have this conversation with me. And thank you for the kind words you've said about the book. It truly, um, you're not talking to a, the, the best writer in the world or or the closest person that's ever walked with Jesus, but just someone who's willing. And so anybody out there, if you're just willing, God will use you. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a living example of that. So thank that's you for the opportunity. I think I connected with you so, so much. I love the honesty, the transparency, and just you're just like, we're all just the same. It's not you're not any different. We're not any different. We're all just the same living life together. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you.